0: Hello everyone, thank you for downloading this Before the Medals podcast. My name is Richard and on today's show we talk to Rhys Williams. Rhys is a multi-talented 400 meter hurdler for Wales and Great Britain and has an incredible story. We talk growing up with a really famous sporting dad, choosing your sport when you have multiple talents and battling the toughest moment in his sporting life. Please do like share and most importantly click that subscribe button to this podcast it helps us to keep going and interview the most incredible people for before the medals to find out all that's happening with our podcast please go to www.beforethemedals.com and sign up to our newsletter thank you for your support now over to reese Hello and welcome to Before the Medals. I am Rich Edmonds and I am in the very fortunate position to be speaking to a friend of mine today, uh, Rhys Williams, who I went to university at the same time as uh, at Loughborough University. Rhys is an incredibly talented athlete who has won gold in the European youth the under-20, the under-23 championships in the 400-meter hurdles. He then went on to collect a bronze, a silver, and finally the number one position, the gold medal, top of the podium at the European Championships, becoming that European senior champion in 2012 in Helsinki. Not only that, he won a bronze for his beloved Wales at the Commonwealth Games in Delhi in 2010, and has a personal best for 400-meter hurdles of 48.84. And if any of you have run around a track, try running around a track without those 10 hurdles in the way in 48.84 seconds, and you won't have much of a chance. It's an unbelievable time. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to take you back. We're going to take you way back. Um, so, yeah, thank you for coming on and speaking to me, Reese. Uh, thanks thanks for having me thanks for the kind words also <laughs> well there's lots of words in there cuz you've won some medals in your career it's uh you know and I've been very fortunate to know you sort of at the start of that journey and, and watch all of that and it's I've uh, you know glued to the television every time you've been on you know in those major finals and you know shouting at the TV jumping up and down just like many people around the country and it's you're a hugely inspiring guy um but what i would like to know is you know how did this all start what's your what's your earliest memory of sport
1: well well as you know as as an athlete yourself uh we chose we didn't choose an easy sport and uh and um, by that i mean it's easy in doing like running is fairly easy but uh, because everyone can do it almost that's what makes it hard because so many people do it and and i guess I, i loved it when i was a kid i uh did a bit, did it in, uh, school sports day and through other sports. Most sports have got running involved and I always enjoyed it, always liked it. And that's how I got into it, if, if I'm honest. But, uh, so it was just at school, you sort of hitting different sports. Was it, you know, sort of the, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did a lot of swimming. I, I swam for Wales. I played a lot of rugby. The school I went to was rugby or rugby in terms of choices. It was very <laughs> rugby. <laughs> well, got it's me. Wales, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like football in England with, with some parties, Rug- rugby is, yeah a must in our school and uh
0: and yeah yeah it's um but i think you know how important do you think it is you know if you look back now of having that that well-rounded approach to sport so not not just straight away like right i'm going to be a rugby player i'm going to be a runner or i'm going to be whatever it is you know how, how important was it to you to i mean you were swimming all the way up to sort of 15 was it or
1: yeah 15 16 and uh and yeah, and, and I just fell out of love with the sport, training nine times a week, and I was probably burnt out from swimming. So I think it was the perfect time to finish. And I always, from a young age, I always wanted to be a runner. And I think from watching on TV, I wanted to emulate people like Colin Jackson, and Linford Christie. So uh, yeah, I think that's, in short, how I got into it.
0: Was athletics something that, you know, when you're watching it on so you say you watch it on TV, was that something that just grabbed your attention? Was it more than anything else? It did, yeah.
1: more More so than any other sport. What, what, why was that? Do you think? I, re- I really don't know. I really don't know. I think it was just so simple. Probably from a young age, you can understand it pretty easy. So the uh, first guy over the over the line wins. So I think it might have been that. When you're at school, you're at primary school. Were either were you the quickest kid? Were you there straight away? Were you? I was. I was, and I th- I think sometimes at, at that age, at school level, if if uh, teachers or other people say you're good at something, it t- it tends to encourage you, and I think you have a few results. That go your way. And then, and then you're on a path. then. yeah, so I think that definitely helped.
0: And, and, uh, the school was, you know, obviously pretty supportive straight as soon as you could, you know, you were winning those races. What happened then? Did they sort of take you under the wing and say, you know what?
1: This kid's pretty quick. No, if, if, if I'm honest, never, never. In fact, our headmistress at the time didn't, uh, she banned school sports for a few years because parents were complaining that their sons or daughters weren't winning or were losing. So, uh, which I found bizarre. So I hated it because they canceled school sports day. But when I went to secondary school, I went to comprehensive school, I did have a very good PE teacher. And I think that, that definitely did help.
0: Well, I mean, that's that whole primary school scenario of canceling sports days is this, you know, real. I know you've just, you know, had a uh, a baby and I've got a young boy myself. And it it's very much changed, hasn't it? I mean, it's almost like that now. Like, you know, everybody, Gets a certificate and it's, it's about the only the taking part or otherwise it gets cancelled. Yeah.
1: And that's the British mentality, remember, because it's not like that in other countries. However, from you, you take other subjects in school, there's not, you don't get the winning and losing, the teamwork, learning about health and fitness and trying to better yourself. Always you don't get that from other subjects as you do from physical education or from doing sport. So you learn a lot from sport. And the main thing is you, you learn about winning and losing, which is a massive life experience. Totally agree. So I think they they miss uh they miss a beat sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So you're you're at sort of primary
0: school level, you're obviously pretty quick at running, you start playing rugby, you're swimming, and you're a busy boy, early days. <laughs> well yeah, as as most people in school are. <laughs> um you know, so obviously uh I think one thing that I, I find when I'm speaking to people is is the you know, heroes. Did you have heroes at a young age? Did you have people that you looked up to?
1: I, oh, you know, it's funny. I, I don't really get uh, starstruck by anyone. So, uh, you know, some people, they get infatuated with certain sporting people or celebrities. I've, I've almost been a bit, uh, you know, why aren't I like that? But I do have heroes. Uh, I used to really like uh, Ewan Thomas, if I'm honest, the 400 runner, cause he really seemed like a hard train. We won't let him know that. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, and and Colin Jackson, like I've mentioned, and especially because of the Welsh connection as well. So I think it's it's, it's a bit closer to home when you see those guys. being Yeah, I,
0: I guess if you you know you're from Wales and you see these guys performing on the world stage, that gives you that inspiration, doesn't it?
1: Not definitely, definitely. And I, I think you always want to relate yourself to them. And I think with the Welsh connection, I think that was definitely it.
0: Um, we you know we talked uh, a lot of people will know that your dad's played rugby for wales as well and for british and irish lions was that an inspiration or was that something you were aware of or was
1: was that not something that was really sort of talked about too much um, no i think my dad anyone who knows my dad i think it's uh, you you quickly made aware of uh, yeah kind of shoved down your throat in some aspects but as you know when you're young he's just your dad but as you get older you start to realize things different and uh, and yeah <laughs>
0: Did that inspire you? Did it think, well, you know, he's done, he's done pretty good things at sport. Maybe I can too. Because that's, I mean, you talk about earlier on, you know, with Ewan and Colin it being quite close to home. I mean, you can't get much closer than uh, living in the house.
1: Well, I guess what it did tell me was uh, you, you, you can reach a high level in sport. You can, uh, and, it's, and it's through hard work, no other thing. So I guess that the hard work mentality was really distilled in me at a young age. Yeah. So I definitely got that.
0: And was that, um, so, you know, you're sort of showing a sign of, of talent and, you know, is that where people like your dad has that experience can sort of take you on side and say, you know, this is what it takes, you know, you were aware of that at the
1: time. Yeah, maybe you're going to take advice of your parents because they're your parents at the time. Suddenly, when you get older, you look back and you go, "What awful advice that was!" Or that <laughs> was. But uh, I guess you know they're only they're trying their best, aren't they? So, uh, see so, so
0: yeah. when so you played. I know you played rugby, you swam, and you ran, and you're doing everything. When uh, when did you sort of start to? I don't know. Train like go down to a club with the athletics.
1: Uh, it's when I was 16 and, and it's purely, I was very lucky because my parents would always taxi me everywhere to swimming lessons, rugby after schools on the weekend. and then when I got into athletics and they, so I was really lucky I had that. If I didn't have that, it would have been very different. But I just joined my local athletics club down in Bridgend and uh, and uh yeah, started in the May. And uh, my brother and sister had already run for Wales. So I was quite keen to get a Welsh vest. And I did manage to get in the Welsh athletics team, the Welsh schools team. And it all happened pretty quickly then.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I, I know you know with your brother and sister also representing Wales in in that sport. How much was an inspiration was that having you know siblings that were doing such great things as well?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think what it did it, uh, it allowed me to set my standards high. So uh, it's you've got to run for you, you've got to have a, a Welsh national vest if your brother and sister. Have Otherwise, you're not allowed your dinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. So uh, it's weird because my brother works for at Welsh athletics. My sister works for Sport Wales. They couldn't be more engrossed in sport. So, uh, that's just the family I grew up with. A very, very, very.
0: Like, I mean, what a family. I mean, if you want to sort of get involved in sport and be
1: inspired and, and <laughs> do all yeah, of that, that's... I mean, you know, you grow up in your house, right? Well, m- yeah, m- maybe, but you can have too much of a good thing. And I think as a result uh, now, I-, I tend not to watch much sport on TV. I watched Formula One on TV, but because it's on my brain so much, I get a bit sick of it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So up, let's go
0: back a little bit further because, you, you know, before your athletics career, because you're technically really starting quite late at 16 uh, in terms of, you know, going into athletics. So you're
1: playing uh, rugby. What age did you start playing rugby? So I did it all through my school. I played for my county because I was also engrossed in swimming and uh, swimming actually makes you slower so, uh, I noticed I was, you know, getting pretty slow on the rugby pitcher when I was doing school sports and stuff like that. So that's probably why I, I, I went off swimming because I've, all, I, I'd always been the quickest in the class, always been the quickest in whatever. And then I was coming up against guys who were quicker than me and I didn't like it. So I was like, right, that's enough. And I think 15, 16 is when people tend to start specializing. I think
0: I always find swimming. It's a, uh, you know, we've had swimmers on the podcast. If swimming, I mean you've got to have a real desire mentality to train for swimming.
1: How 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 many years did you train? I, I I fell into swimming as I think most people did. You you learn, you go to Saturday morning classes, learn to swim, and then you enjoy it. You join the club, you go three times a week, and because you want to be good at something, you you just it just progresses from there. So we went to four, five sessions, and. Up to nine sessions in the end. But... I hear
0: these horrible stories of five thirty a.m. get up before school, out in the pool.
1: Was that well, you? Was that? It was, yeah. And 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 to be fair, I I, I didn't mind it because you got more energy when you're young. But I, I feel really sorry for my parents. They must have been so tired. <laughs> my, I mean... my, mom. my dad would never take me because he didn't agree with uh, the early morning sessions. But uh, yeah, my mum to be so tired.
0: Oh, I bet. I mean, how much do they sacrifice for? I mean, having three kids all doing sport as well. Exactly, it is,
1: and it's expensive doing sport. So I was uh, that's why I always try to emphasize. I've been extremely lucky, and not a lot of people have got that. So I'm, I've read the rewards, really. Yeah,
0: I've the rewards. I think I think it's like with like I say swimming. It's I mean, just going to go in a little bit into try and get your your mentality, your desire. It takes a lot for a kid, and I know you say you know kids have more energy, but it does take a lot for somebody to want to get up and go and train at that time um you know forget the having energy thing what got you out of bed what drove you on when you're sort of 11 12 13 years old to get up you don't have to do it it's not you know it's not something that you're being
1: forced to do what what made you get up do you remember what made you do it it's a really good question i i i don't know It, it just uh... It just happened and there's something that comes natural to me. I think you, if you want to be good at something, you know you've got to go training. You've got to train hard. So I think that's where it came from.
0: Did you love winning or did you hate losing more?
1: No, I think I hated losing. I, of, co- of course, I like winning. Who doesn't? But definitely, the uh, I detest losing and I think that was a big factor.
0: That was a big factor in the drive to get out and work I th- hard. I think
1: it is for a lot of people. So I think, uh, yeah, that fear of failure.
0: But it was just getting a little bit too slow twitch for you.
1: It was, swimming is so different to athletics and uh, I've, I've always felt you can't, and swimmers are going to curse me for saying this. <laughs> I've got to watch what I say. It, they're, they're different and they're different types of hard. I am I just, I've, I just haven't got the genetics for swimming as it turned out and I knew I wouldn't be a swimmer. But uh people, you
0: know, you know, I've got to get you further on with this. <laughs> Why did you not ask him?
1: Go on, tell me what's the difference? <laughs> In, I guess when I was swimming, I would never do a session where I'm just, uh, got a massive amount of lactic, which makes you sick. It was never that type of fatigue. It would be the slow building fatigue I found with swimming. Yeah. And I studied sports science, understand why. Uh, but yeah, n- n- nothing really leaves me as tired as, uh, as athletics did. And, and I quite like that.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty brutal, especially the event that you ended up choosing to do, which was the 400 hurdles. I mean, I, you know, I, I ran eight hundred meters and fifteen hundred meters, as you know, and I think that's pretty, pretty lacticy, but nothing like the four hundred meter hurdles. I mean, that is a, a brutal, a brutal event. Um, Running, you know, flat out round the track in forty eight seconds and hurdling ten times is, is, you know, just lactic valley, isn't it? <laughs> well,
1: unfortunately, that lactic is what gives you the energy, but you don't when you get into it you didn't realize it's no. hard you know
0: so you you switch over 16 you go down you know you think right okay I'm going to go down triathletics what what did you want to do did you did you have any aspirations did you, apart from running just you know you said right okay brother and sister ran for wales I'd like to do that
1: did you did you dream any higher than that at that time uh, my, I think my first goal was to to run for Wales, and then after that, I, you know, you tend to uh, dream a bit more. But uh, um, yeah. and how quick did that happen for you? Uh, pre- pretty quick. I, 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 you know, the Welsh schools isn't uh, hasn't got the numbers that English schools have, and I understand how difficult it is at English schools to win. But uh, I managed to win the Welsh schools, then you go on to the British schools and managed to win that, and then the British championships. So, that, I think that little bit of success, uh, spurred me on, really. What event was that in, Reese, at the time? That, and that was in the 400 hurdles. That was just straight away. What made you choose that event? I have no idea. I think I used to go and watch my sister do it. Why so would me. you choose that? Like, event? I, I know. I'll give this a go. I wasn't, I, I always knew I wasn't quite quick enough for the 100 and 200. So, uh, so yeah. So it was 400 hurdles. Gonna, I mean, it's a very
0: technical event. Um, you know, uh, I've spent times and seen you guys train and it's a, it's a hugely technical event. You obviously picked it up pretty quickly. What do you think that was down to? Was it, a, uh, was that down to doing multiple sports being, um, you know, sort of multi-talented? Was it just something that you naturally picked
1: up? Was it something you worked at incredibly hard straight away? Well, I th- it's most likely a combination of all things, but look, we've all got talents, but in different areas. And I think I wasn't quite quick enough for the hundred and two hundred. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of the aerobic stuff that I did from swimming really helped with the, with the hurdling. Yeah. Especially early on when I first uh, started doing it. So uh, to answer your question, I think it was a combination of all of those. So
0: I uh, guess it's something we ask a lot on the show, but, you know, are you, are you a believer? Of, is it is it talent or is it hard work or, or I'm suspecting it's a mixture of both for you?
1: It's, I think it really depends on the event. I think, uh, but I think it is definitely a, a combination with the 400 hurdles compared to a lot of other events. You got more variables. So if it's windy, you got to change your strike pattern or even change your blocks around. And, uh, there's a bit of spatial awareness involved, which you don't get from the other sprint events. So, uh, there's a few more variables. And I think that's, that can help you sometimes.
0: It's interesting that you say it depends on the event. I suspect you're, you know, saying that, you know, a flat out 100 meters was maybe a little bit
1: more talent. Would that be correct to yeah, say? I, I think there's a bigger genetic component for, uh, to be the fastest human in the world. I think you've got to have the genetics on your side. Whereas I I've done, I've seen it done with the 400 hurdles. You might not be the most talented, but, uh, but if you've obviously got to have a certain level of talent, but, uh, you don't need to be the most talented in order to achieve purely because there's other elements coming into it. I'm interested in
0: taking you back to when you're 16 and you start, you know, training for athletics. What was your approach to it? So how much were you training? Um, how how sort of professional was that training at the time? Was it fun? Did you, did you approach it with a smile on your face or were you quite serious straight away? I think I was
1: quite serious straight away, if I'm honest. Was that the pressure of having sort of... Older brother and sister. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that was it's a, a lot good of pressure, thing. isn't it? Too much. It's ridiculous. I, I think from a young age, I had a lot of pressure on me. How did you cope with that? I, th- I think well, my brother and sister, if I'm honest, they didn't cope with it, and uh, I think they ended up giving up the sport a lot earlier than they should have, purely because they couldn't cope with the pressure. And I think uh, parents, even though I think they don't tend to, uh, they don't mean to give pressure to their kids. They just want them to do well and be happy. But uh, I think sometimes it does, you know, put pressure on your kids and stuff like that does come out. So, uh and somehow I managed to deal with it a bit better than my brother and sister and, and keep doing it. We need to find out why, don't we? We do. We do.
0: <laughs> why, why did, why, you know, and this is the whole uh the whole process of this show is to try and figure out why you you were able to cope with that at 16 and other people not just your brother and sister but many other talented uh people in many different sports in britain that aren't able to to deal with that how uh is there anything you can put your finger on that you can think you know your personality the way you approach things that was slightly different to the (laughs) to that
1: it's, it's got to be psychological. I was training with, I was training in Australia last year with another Australian 400 hurdler. I won't mention his name. And he said to me, I hate racing because there's so much pressure. I absolutely hate it. I prefer training. And I'm the total opposite. I love the racing, love the pressure, but I hate the training. So I think it's, it's got to be psych, this, this, you know, the mental aspect has got to be uh, a massive component. I
0: think, I, I agree. And I think if you don't, if you can't learn to enjoy the performance side of it, I think it's going to be impossible, isn't it, to to get yeah. to that very highest level.
1: I do, I do see many athletes, uh, many of which are very good, and and they don't enjoy racing. So, and I find that bizarre, I've never understood it.
0: Well, there's, you know, we all know those incredible people that are amazing in training, right, in the weights room and on the track in training, but it comes to a race and it just yeah. doesn't come together how you expect. Yeah. Uh, we need to try and encourage. That next generation to be able to do that. What sort of things would you suggest that you are good at when it comes to race day um,
1: that that we could learn from? Well, I think people forget about their brain, and it's the most important muscle you've got. And like any muscle, it needs to be trained. And as it gets older, it changes also. So uh, it's like you go and see the physio when you've when you've pulled a muscle, but the people don't go and see psychologists when the, even when the going's good they will only go and see it when it gets to such a bad stage that oh, I need to do something now. And it's usually the last uh last thing they do. So I think that's that's what I think anyway, is the uh the psychology needs the trainer as much as the uh the rest of the body.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's you know, there's lots more, uh especially nowadays, good sports psychologists out there and good knowledge of uh getting that information about sports psychology that perhaps people just
1: aren't using uh, enough, um, still. And I think, you know, we talk about sports psychology, but I think it's just day to day psychology sometimes. Cause if your if your home life isn't good, I think it will impact on your sport. So uh, it's just your your day in, day out psychology. And, uh, if you think you can't, then you won't. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, it's bound to belief systems, isn't it? And you, you come through. uh,
1: And I just want to say, and you might think this isn't relevant, but, uh, but I think it is, uh, Usually, you have the older players in the team or the more experienced athletes giving advice to the younger ones, and I think it's the you should take advice from the younger athletes because they go into events and they're fearless because they don't know any different. They don't know that they can lose X amount of money if they don't win or the sponsorship deals, et cetera. So I think it's it's that's that's who we need to learn from. I think it's going to events with that type of mindset of no fear, and I think I think just doing it, parts. Just yeah, getting like,
0: it, just yeah.
1: more from the youngsters, I think, than the older athletes or sports people sometimes
0: yeah no that's a really interesting point is that feeling really, you got to get to that p- uh place where you, you don't feel that pressure and then you can perform at 100 percent? i guess
1: oh definitely because i think you look at some sports people and they look like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulder and they probably have and uh you look at some of these youngsters when they're 16 17, and they just race because they want to race yeah and uh, that's the mentality to have
0: I wonder if you have ever sat down with your brother and sister and talked about the differences and the you know the difference in terms of what what you know you sort of carry on in the sport and them coming out of the sport has that has that ever been a conversation you've had
1: no it it never has if i'm honest and uh and yeah i don't I don't think it ever will but uh the, people will always think what they want to think and sometimes uh because they i've retired or finished early you know that's that's their choosing you know and and theirs alone and they still love
0: sport and they're involved in sport and they're you know obviously like you say they're working in sport so it's obviously something that's um is still important to them and and you know
1: that's that's great as well right yeah definitely definitely but i i think uh we use this term sport but when you're a competitor in the sport and competing in sport you're 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 being the pressure cooker and, and i think it's uh People don't understand that, you know, that's a big pressure in itself. It's the, it's the, yeah, it's the, almost like the core face of the uh, the sport, isn't it? So uh, it really is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and and coming with that, you know, within that, Nate, that pressure cooker comes having to deal with failure. And obviously, you know, the first sort of main portion of this podcast, we've talked about a lot of successes that you've had. So, you, you know, you had, you were obviously a good swimmer, you played rugby well. You went into athletics and you got that Welsh vest straight away. When was the first time that you sort of felt, felt, you know, that you, you failed at, at something and how did you cope with that?
1: It's a good question. Cause I think in order to have the success, you think you've got to experience the failure. Otherwise, how do you know it's a good day? And, uh, basically I had n- never had any injuries. So then after 2006, after winning my first senior european uh, medal i got injured and basically resulted in four stress fractures then an operation so i went from running and being in good shape in the august competing to uh, not being able to jog for a good part of a year and a half and then i missed the beijing olympics and it's uh, you know i stayed in hospital for 20 weeks it was really uh, the other end of the sport yeah and, and it was very difficult and uh, it took a lot of time to get over that injury and to find out how you know what was causing it and uh, and that was very very tough it's an
0: incredibly long time that you you had out and then came back and did great things it takes huge mental strength to do that but i, I guess support as well right
1: yeah yeah I th- if everyone has setbacks i don't think anyone has it easy even if they appear like they have you don't know what goes on behind closed doors so i think everyone has a test at some stage and that's how you come through it However, I've, I've had, um, a, you know, it's definitely worth mentioning the biggest setback. I don't know why I didn't mention it. First of all, cause it, we all hear about injuries, but the biggest setback I had was at uh, the Commonwealth games and a few days before in 2014 I was here in a field, a drug test. And, uh, and you don't realize what a taboo subject it is talking about, uh, any, anything to do with drugs. People don't like talking about it. And, uh, but it's not a taboo subject to me. And I failed a drug test purely from taking a sports supplement that was a sugary drink that was manufactured by Inform Sport. So you think this company, Inform Sport, was set up to stop um, people who take sports supplements that are fine to be cross-contaminated and all that type of thing. And that's what happened to me. They got uh, cross-contaminated, proved it all, et cetera, et cetera. But that was a massive, massive blow because you know anyone thinking you're a cheat or you've cut in corners is probably the biggest insult you could ever have uh, as a sports person or even as a person in general.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, it was, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure, uh, a hugely frustrating a uh, time for you at uh, completely the wrong time. Uh Well, there's never a right time for it, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, you know, it's, I mean, from, from somebody that, you know, knows you, obviously my first reaction was, well, that's, that's obviously got to be, wrong but from the greater public they just see drug tests and they that's that's all they see right they just see drug tests failed drug tests they don't maybe look at all the details i mean how did how did that make you feel and how how did you because i mean the injury and being out is one thing but coping with that is is a totally other thing how did you come back from that one
1: Oh, if, if, if I'm honest, it took such a long time. And I know last year with the Summer Olympics, people are celebrating Mo Farrow winning two, uh, two goals, but I got back in the British team, competed at the European Champs last year. Didn't quite make the Olympic team, but I saw what I came back from because I was in such a low place to get back in the British team. I saw that as almost a, a Mo Faro moment. Uh, yeah. You know, cause it was so mental. It's very tough. Uh The public think you're either a drug cheat or you're not. They don't realise there's this middle ground sometimes, it, and life isn't as simple as one or the other. Sometimes you can feel people want it to be, don't they? But of course they do, and they look for stories. That's the age we live in, and there'll be this big headline, but they won't read the facts or the truth, which you know gets revealed a few weeks later. So I learned a lot about that, really, and how people think. Because I used to be like that. It's someone would fail a drug test and would just think they're a cheat or they've been doing something untoward. You don't realize the details or the actual truths that, you know, are behind it. So uh, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about how how people think also.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, I guess you sort of find out who your th- friends are as well through that process.
1: Well, you know, I was getting married uh, a few weeks after that, a few months after that, so it just made my uh, invite list so much easier. Hear from them? No, you're not coming.
0: Listen, I mean, you know, we talk of, like you say going on the on that failure. You had that the injury, the drug test. What what, what kept you going? What drove you on during the, when you you're failing? When you you have those injuries and you you're there in the hospital for twenty weeks and you're thinking god i'm gonna be able to run again let alone compete again and then you get you know the the drugs ban which gets thrown out how how do you get back on your feet and get get back on that start line
1: well even though it's important to try to win these medals or these championships what you forget about is enjoying the journey and my gut instinct told me that you know keep going keep going and so i always listen to my gut instinct and uh, it doesn't always serve me right, but it always feels right at the time. But it's, it's about the journey. And, uh, and yeah, and that's, and that can be great in itself. And, uh, that's, that's why I kept going. But I did consider obviously finishing after 2008 with those injuries and then recently also. But, uh, just, it just my gut instinct told me otherwise. Well, I'm so glad you haven't because we, uh, we love watching you. Well, age, age is another factor. I think people think, uh, they always want to see the next big thing. With athletics and then when you get to in your thirties, they just expect you to retire. But there's a massive amount of people who won medals at 34, 33. So the human body doesn't just fall off a cliff, it you know gradually goes down. So uh I yeah, think absolutely.
0: as well, you touched touched on earlier with the changing conditions. I think particularly as well in your event, um, there's a huge amount of experience comes into play.
1: Of course. And the, you know, if the Olympic champion in twenty twelve was thirty-five in my event. So if it wasn't, you know, physically possible, I'm sure uh, i would be the first to put my hand up and admit it. Rhys, we always sort of get towards
0: the end of this podcast with some photo finish questions. Quite apt today as we've got an athlete on the on the show. Good, good. Uh, can you remember your first ever medal?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person I think I've ever interviewed that can't remember. You can, I'm sure you can dig one out. Yeah, I think a, a swimming presentation, I think I got one, I think. You won't still have it then? No, no, no. <laughs> it's long gone. Joe, believe it or not, even with the, uh, the senior medals I've won, I don't really get it too attached to them. So I, I think they're in my mum, my parents' house. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really spend any time looking at them. It's the journey. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, favorite motivational song.
0: Let's go back to, let's take you back to your university days. What would, is was music something that got you going before a race are you a headphones on type of person
1: yeah i am and i still am to be fair i, d- I do like upbeat energetic music and yeah i l- love it
0: take me back to reece university what was it what were you listening to Ooh. to get you going <laughs>
1: yeah please don't judge me on this but uh you know a lot of rap music a lot of uh, little john and stuff like this perfect which was uh, i guess it was cool at the time uh <laughs> it was believe it or not Uh, favourite pre-race meal Uh, good question it's changed tend to have tuna and a banana
0: good good solid meal (laughs) Uh, listen we always uh, sort of get some advice from from you at the end if you could go and uh, go back to back in time hit that time machine head back to Bridge End Athletics Club and go and put your arm on the shoulder of Reese, age 16 and give him some advice for his athletics journey, what would it be?
1: Good That's a really good question. I think just surround yourself with positive people. And uh, if you can do that through most of your life, I think you'll, you won't go far wrong. So it's really important
0: to be around positive people that are going to motivate you and keep you going.
1: Of course, you, you want to be around people who will... uh What's the word I'm trying to look for that will inspire? Yeah, inspire and make you feel good about yourself. To, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's also about pushing levels, isn't it? If you, you know, we speak a lot about people trying to spend time with people that are maybe even better than they are. So it brings up your level.
1: It does. The word I was looking for was empower and it does empower you and uh, rubbing shoulders with people like that. I I think success does leave uh, clues. And uh, give an example. train with Greg Rutherford before the 2012 Olympics, and he's exactly that—super positive, super, you know, super good to be around. Really emits some good energy, and uh, and it's no surprise he's you
0: know, done incredible things.
1: Exactly. So, uh, yeah.
0: Well, that's amazing, Reese. You are awesome. I'm. <laughs> uh, I'm so yeah. glad we we're able to have this chat. I wish more people said that. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate your time, buddy. And um, listen, if the idea of this podcast is to try and inspire and educate and help potentially a, a future champion. So definitely. hopefully we've, we've done that today. Um,
1: but yeah, we really appreciate it. And, and and ready for this season? No, definitely, definitely. I've come out it with a different approach. So uh, definitely I'm going to finish up the Commonwealth game. So uh, I need to qualify forward first. So that's the plan.
0: Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Ah,
1: uh, Thanks. Ricky. Good luck. Cheers,
0: mate. I am such a big Reese fan. I'm sure you'll agree he is such a great person and his will to win shines through when you talk to him. If you enjoyed this chat, please do let Reese know on Twitter at Reese400h. That's at R H Y S. Then the numbers 400h. Also, please, 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 please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We can only continue to find out what it takes to succeed at the highest level with your help. So please do subscribe and share the podcast. As always, completely free. You can find out more about our podcast at www.beforethemedals.com or you can send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at Before The Medals thank you for your support on next week's podcast we will be talking to harlequin's rugby player carl dixon have a great week everyone